Well, it's good to be with you again. It's always good to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I want you to turn with me to John 15. John chapter 15. This is the night that our Lord is, has been betrayed. He's been speaking to His apostles on some of the most important words our Lord ever spoke. These are some of the last words He spoke to His apostles. And He is going to the cross and He's speaking some very important words. And this is what He says to those that have been born of Him to His saints. This is what He says to us. John 15, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And He tells us how we do that. Very simple. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love. Keep his commandments. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, and he shall see to it, his people shall do this. When he gives you a command, the Lord by his spirit is going to make his people willing to obey him. He will see to it, his people will obey him. We will abide in His love, and He will keep us abiding in His love, believing Him and obeying Him, trusting Him. Now look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. If you want to be filled with His joy, and it is Christ's joy that He puts in the heart, obey Him. Believe Him. This is His commandment. Believe Him. Trust Him for all your salvation. Look not anywhere but to Christ only. Trust Him. Believe Him. And that means trust your brethren to Him. Trust Him to provide for your brethren and keep your brethren and keep them standing. Pray for one another. But believe Him. Trust Him. And love one another. Love one another. And that's, He'll keep His joy in your heart. To keep his joy in your heart. Now watch this. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Now if we're going to hear this word. First thing we're going to have to get some things in our heart. And get some things settled. If we're going to hear what our Lord's saying here. The first thing is this. Each believer, each one of you that's born of Him, each believer here must hear this word as the Lord speaking to you. I must hear this as the Lord commanding me, speaking to me. You must hear this as the Lord speaking to you. The devil's delight is for God's people to hear the word of the Lord preached and apply it to somebody else. Well, this is how they ought to be 
loving me. And this is how that other one ought to be treating that one or what have you. The devil delights in that. The only one that's hurt by that is you. When the Lord speaks to His children, He's not telling me how others are to love me. That's not what He's telling me. He's telling me how I am to love others. And that's so for you. The Lord's not commanding you how others are to love you. He never tells you how others are to treat you. That's not, what his, that's not his words, ever. He's telling you how you are to love others. So we have to get that first. And then secondly, let this be settled in our hearts too. There's not one of His people, not one of us, who have loved our brethren as we ought to. Just get that settled in your heart. You have it, and I have it. Not one of us can go before the Lord and expect to be accepted of Him based on how we have loved one another. That, that's not what our Lord's teaching here. Not what He's teaching. Our acceptance with God is Christ. He's our righteousness only. Him. Him. And he, none of us can boast in our love or think we've loved as we ought. And, and if we really know Him, we will confess we hadn't loved Him as we would love, love one another. Not Him or one another. That's so. God's people will say that. Well, I haven't loved my brethren as I want to love my brethren. Can't you say that? And then... And I want to say that one reason our Lord is saying this at this time, and think about this now, the apostles were so full of unbelief, they didn't really think the Lord was going to the cross. They thought He was going to restore the kingdom like it was in David's time. They didn't think He really was going to the cross. He had told them. And, and our Lord told them, He said, you're going to deny me tonight. The sheep are going to be scattered. It's written in the Word of God. And Peter said, Lord, I will not deny you. These might, but I won't. And they all said that. They all said that. These others might, but I won't. And you know what they were saying? Each of them was saying, I love you more than these love you. And I won't deny you. And when our Lord let Peter see what Peter would do, Peter denied him three times, just like the Lord said he would, and they all did. But the reason Peter's faith didn't fail is the Lord prayed for him, and when the Lord came to him and restored him, he said, he said to him, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And that time, after having seen how little he really loved. Peter deferred to the Lord. And he didn't boast this time about loving more than these. He said, Lord, Thou knowest. You know all things. You know I love you. He just left it at that. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? The Lord showed Peter, and He's showing me and you, we haven't loved as we ought. We can't make a boast in our love at all. At all. And here's the third thing, and be sure to get this. The Lord's commandment for you to love your brother 
is not only when they're loving you. That's easy. It's when they're not loving you. Even when they've sinned and when they're acting like they don't even know the Lord. There's a thing the Lord gives, the fruit of the Spirit, that's called long-suffering. Think about that word. Long-suffering. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering. Why do we need to be long-suffering? Because when brethren are not loving you, it causes you to suffer. And sometimes you have to suffer a long time. And it's during those times that we really begin to realize that our love for one another is of God. It's kept in our hearts of God. And we really don't love as we would. And if it wasn't for His preserving and keeping love in our heart, we wouldn't love. And it's during those times when you have to suffer long that you find that out. (laughs) You really begin to glorify God for His shedding His love abroad in your heart and, and keeping you loving one another. That's when you know it's really of Him. That's when you know. Now, the Lord tells each one that He sanctified. You that's been born of Him, He tells us how we're to love one another. Tells us exactly how. Right here in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now that's how. That's how. This is why He called this a new commandment. The old covenant law didn't tell you how to do it like this. One, He's the one that gave this commandment. And he has to write this commandment on the heart. That makes it new. And the motive is entirely new. As I have loved you. So we're going to have to know him and know how he's loved us if we're going to love as he's loved us, right? We're going to have to know him and his love for his people. And he declares how he loves his own. Look back at verse 9. This is amazing right here. Now watch this. Verse 9. This is how he loves his own. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. That's how he he loves you, Cass. As the Father loves him. I can't begin to tell you what that is or even... That's, this is that love that Paul spoke about. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking a mystery. This is how he loves us. As the Father loved him. So he says, continue ye in my love. And then not only this, but God the Father also loves his own like he loves his son. Let's look at John 17, just a few pages over. Look at verse 23. He's talking about the glory he gives you when... He gives you faith. And he said, I've given them this glory. And he said in verse 23, John 7, 23, he says, I in them, he's praying to the Father, I in them and thou in me, Father, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world, that's his elect scattered all over the world, that they may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them 
as thou hast loved me. So Christ loves his people as the Father loves him. And the Father loves his people as he loves Christ. And so our Lord tells me and you, love one another as I have loved you. Now that's, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. Now, this is why we understand what John was saying when he took these words our Lord spoke and made us to remember, love is of God. Now, we're not talking about this sentimental thing the world calls love. We're talking about love that is of God, that's in every born-again child of God. No doubt about it. And it's by the grace of God, and it's by the power of God, it's produced by God in us, and it's kept in you by God. This is why one of the characteristics of this God-produced love is this. This is one of the characteristics of it. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. If the true love of God's in us, we're not going to go around boasting about it. Because we know it's not of us. It's of Him. It's of Him. Listen to this. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, born again, born from above. And they know God. It's impossible to be born again and not know God, and it's possible to be born again and not love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You hear men say God's a God of love. That's not what it says. God is love. And if we love one another, verse 12 says, If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Verse 13 at the end says, It's because He's given us of His Spirit. So, look at 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If you believe on Christ, there's only one reason you've been born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat. Now catch that. He equates faith in Christ and love for Christ. Did you get that? He said, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him. You see, he's, he, faith and love are Siamese twins. If, you, if he's born of God, you believe Christ and you love Christ. They're one and the same. You can't have one without the other. And also, you love those born of God. Look at the next word. Look at the next word. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So we're talking here about love that is of God. We're talking about love that is produced in the heart, but in, a, in the new man, when you're born of God, born of the Spirit of God, so that you believe Christ and you love Christ and you also love those that are born again of God. This is of God. We're talking about a love that's of God. So when our Lord is saying here, love one another as I've loved you, there is not even the remote possibility that any of His children are going to fail to do this. You're going to do this. 
because the Spirit of God is going to keep this love in your heart and keep you loving one another. It's just so. Those that are not born of God will not do this and can't make themselves do this. But you that are born of God, you will love one another. You will. You will. And He'll get the glory and, and we'll give Him the glory. We'll give Him the glory. Now, so how are some ways God the Father loves Christ and how does Christ love His people? He said, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Now He tells us to love one another as He loves us. So I want to know, how does the Father love Him? How does He love us? They're one and the same. And I want to know that, don't you? This is how we're going to love one another. All right. First of all, God the Father loves and Christ loves His people with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. Everlasting is hard for us to comprehend. It means without a beginning, without an end. It means without any change. It means without any variableness. It's a constant, unchanging, unchangeable love that knows no beginning and no end. Now, you and I are creatures of time, and so we just that just blew us out of the water of trying to figure out how could God love without a beginning and without an end. Well, He's eternal. He don't dwell in time like we do. There's never been a moment, now listen, there's never been a moment when God the Father did not love His people. There's not a moment He didn't love Christ, His Son, and there's not a moment His Son didn't love the Father, and there's not a moment He didn't love His people in His Son. Not a moment. It's always been and always will be. God doesn't love today and stop loving tomorrow. Those God loves, He loves everlastingly. Everlastingly. Even before we had a being, we didn't even have a being yet, and God loved His people. How could that be? Listen to this. Psalm 139.16. Listen to this. Thine eyes, speaking of God, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Just take the first phrase and the last phrase. Thine eyes did see my substance, when as yet there was none of them. God loved His people before we ever were conceived in our mother's womb. God loved His people. Now, since the love of God is everlasting, since it's everlasting, here's another characteristic of God-given love. Charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. The love of God that He puts in the hearts of His people and the love of God that He has for Christ and Christ has for His people never fails. Ever. Never. When we no longer need faith, and you won't need faith in glory, you're going to see Him as He is. And when we no longer need hope, we're hoping right now, our hope is enters into the veil where Christ sits. He's our hope. But we're not going to need hope one day. We're going to see Him as He is. And when we don't need faith and we don't need hope, we're still going to love. Charity's never going to fail. It's never going to end. Love's never going to cease. Now, 
So that means we're to love one another without end. Without end. And here's the thing. If we're His, we shall. If we're His, we shall. We'll love one another without end. Now, here let me just put this in something you and I can can deal with right here amongst one another. Get this and don't ever forget this. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is worth separating over so that you can have the gospel. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care if somebody walks up and kicks you in your behind. It ain't worth separating over so you can hear the gospel. Nothing. The only thing that we you would separate from somebody over would be a denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. But now let me say something about that. Even if a brother appears to draw back, remember Israel and remember Peter and remember these other apostles because they all denied the Lord and went back to their fishing boats and looked like they were gone. But the Lord restored them. He came to where they were and He restored them. And so when that appears to happen, that a brother is departing, love trusts that brother to Christ and prays for him. And with every opportunity you have, tries to speak the gospel of Christ to him and waits on the Lord to work His will and restore him. Don't just jump to the conclusion, well, they went out from us, they're not of us. They might just went out and went somewhere else so they can hear the gospel preached. Wait on the Lord. Even if they go out and don't go somewhere, wait on the Lord, trust them to the Lord, and anytime you have opportunity to love them and show them how much you love them and speak of Christ to them, do it. Do it. We're sinners. You and me are sinners. And believers sometimes fall out with one another over fleshly things. You take Abraham and Lot. They got in, they, they parted ways because the herdsmen got to argument over the land and grazing the cattle. You take Paul and Barnabas. They got into it and they parted because one of them wanted to take John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take his nephew, John Mark. Paul didn't want to take him with him on the second mission. Because Mark got, he got tired on the first one and went home to Mama. Paul didn't want to take him on the second one. They parted ways. They parted ways. Even these apostles left the Lord and went back to their fishing boats. But Christ shall restore His people. He just will. He's not going to lose His people. He's not going to lose you, child of God. If you're His, He's going to keep you. And He's going to restore the love in your heart that He put in your heart in the beginning. He's going to keep it there for Him and for one another. And by you trying to go away and Him restoring you, He'll increase that love in your heart and make you see He's keeping you and make you believe Him more than you did and make you love your brethren more than you did and, and, and love one another better. Turn over to Jeremiah 31. I want you to see this. You're familiar with this scripture, but I don't want to just read it. I want, to, I want you to get the context of this. 
the Lord had had let Israel they they rebelled and he had turned them over to the enemy nations. And it looked like they were gone. It looked like they were gone. And the Lord is saying he's going to pour out his wrath on the wicked and he will. But this is what he said concerning his love for Israel. Jeremiah 31:1. At the same time, and he's talking about I'm going to pour out my I'm going to pour out my wrath on the enemy, but he said it Jeremiah 31 1, at the same time saith the Lord, Will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people? That's talking about God's elect spiritual Israel made up of Jew and Gentile. They're going to be his people. They're going to be his people. No doubt about it. Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. He's using Israel as the example. And he says, look, when it looked like they wasn't going to find any grace and I had cast him off, I showed them grace and I caused them to rest. That's what he's going to do to his people. Look at the next word. How, why will he do this? The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness... Have I drawn thee? Again, I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be adorned with thy tabrets, and shalt go forth in the dances of them that make merry. Now you apply that to yourself, child of God. And you apply that to any brother or sister that might appear to, to go back. If a brother falls or he appears to depart, Those that love the Lord are going to continue to hope in the Lord. We're going to continue to pray for one another. We're going to continue to trust one another to the Lord. And we're going to speak the gospel, this sure promise of Christ to one another. Because our God shall restore all that are His. He's not going to fail to save His people. He has loved His people everlastingly. And He shall save His people from our sins. His name is Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sin. Christ don't fail. He's God. He don't fail. He's going to save His people. And He's loved His people everlastingly and He won't let that love fail. And so don't forget that. Don't forget that. Charity never faileth because as surely as the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father, so He loves them that are His and shall keep us abiding in His love. Don't forget it. So that's the first thing. That's how Christ has loved us everlastingly. Here's a simple application. Don't stop loving one another. Don't stop loving one another. All right, secondly, the Lord loves His people simply because He does. The cause is in Himself. God says to His spiritual Israel, Remember this from Deuteronomy 7, 7. And you know this is talking about God's elect people. He said, The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. Now let me give you the alternative to that. Anybody that's sitting there and says, Well, I... I want there to be a cause in me why God loved me. No, you don't. 
No, you don't. Because if there had to be a cause in you for God to love you, he'd have never loved you. Me either. And if there's a cause in you that makes God keep loving you, there could always be a possibility that he'd stop loving you. But when the cause is all in him, and he loves you because he loved you, you don't have to ever worry about him stop loving you. If it starts with grace, it's going to end with grace. That's the good news. That's good news. That's why God chose His people in Christ. Not because of anything in us. The cause was in the Lord because the Lord loved you. That's it. God the Father chose His people for this purpose. He chose us in Christ for this purpose, to glorify His Son who He loved. Go to Romans 8. I know you're familiar with this, but I want to show it to you. Romans 8. You know, you know the scripture that says this. Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, keep on reading, and you will see the purpose. For whom he did foreknow, whom he did forelove, who he loved beforehand, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's why God loved his people and trusted us to Christ, for the sake of his son. He's going to glorify his son. His son's going to be the firstborn among many brethren. And he trusted his son to do all this work. This is his purpose. Over whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And what shall we then say to these things? God be for us, who can be against us? That is the truth, brethren. If God is for you, nobody can be against you. Now look down at the end there, verse 39. Because this is so, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see that? Nothing. He lists a lot of things there. but None of them is going to separate us from the love of God in Christ. So the cause of our love for one another, now listen to me, what's the cause of our love for one another? Now don't think about somebody else's love to you and and all the wonderful reasons why they ought to love you. No, stop for a minute. You You take the weakest brother, the most offensive brother, you think of that brother just for a minute. What's your cause for loving him? Christ. That's your cause. Christ. Because God loves him, and because Christ loved him, that ought to be cause enough to love him. Cause enough to love him. For the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as the Father loved us for Christ's sake, so love one another for Christ's sake. There may be times, and there will be, when you can't find one cause in your brother to love him. There will be. And let me tell you something. There are going to be a lot of times when your brethren can't find one cause in you to love you either. Just so. It's just the nature of being a believing sinner. What if God looked for a cause in you and me? What if God looked for a cause in us? We find all our cause in God our Father 
and our Lord Jesus Christ. If he loves my brethren and Christ loves my brethren, that's all the cause I need to love my brethren. So let's love one another for his sake. Look at Ephesians 4 and listen to this. Ephesians 4 verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know what evil speaking is? Now look, I'm not going to I'm not one to talk and spread rumors. So I'm just going to say this one time. And then we talk about our brother, sister. That's evil speaking. It's evil speaking. And it's malice. It's malice. Put that away and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You see where it says there, forgive one another? It says forgiving one another. That means ongoing, forgiving. Keep forgiving. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know why it says forgiving one another? Because all those things Paul tells us not to do in Ephesians here, where he says, don't let it once be named among you. You're going to fail at that. And I'm going to fail at that. And we're going to have to forgive each other. How can we do that? Because God, for Christ's sake, hath already completely, totally, freely, forever forgiven His people of every transgression. That's how. For His sake. That's the third thing. Christ says in our text, so first of all, don't stop loving one another. Secondly, do it for Christ's sake. That's all the cause we need. And thirdly, Christ says in John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now he's going to tell us how to do that. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Christ loved those, you, that the Father chose and gave to him. He loved us by laying down his life for us. That's the ultimate. You can't get greater than that. He gave His life. He poured out His blood unto death under the wrath of God in the room instead of His people. His life for our life. He said, pour out your wrath on me. Pour out justice on me. Satisfy the sword of eternal justice in me so my people can go free. That's love, isn't it? That's love. But my brother's not loving me. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. But my brother's just not loving me as he ought. 
find me one place in this book that says there's a certain way your brother ought to love you. You ain't going to find it. This book don't tell you that. This book tells you how to love your brother. Remember, Christ is not telling me how my brother is to love me. He's telling me how to love my brother. As Christ loved me. How's that? Here it is. Now listen. You think about this. Think about yourself being a child of God. This is how Christ loved you. If you know Him and believe Him and born of Him, this is how He loved you right here. Here in His love. Not that we love God. That ends this notion of my brother's not loving me. Not that we love God. But that He loved us and sent His Son the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, that word so means after this manner. If God after this manner loved us when we didn't love Him, He sent His only begotten Son for some people that did not love Him. And Christ laid down His life for people that did not love Him. If He loved us after this manner, He says, brethren, we ought also after this manner love one another. But my brother has sinned. My brother has sinned. All right, go to Romans 5. How has Christ loved us? He said, love one another as I've loved you. How did He love you when you had sinned? Romans 5, 6. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by His life. That's, Christ said, love one another as I've loved you. How did He love you, child of God? When you were an enemy, when you were ungodly, when you were a sinner. How does He keep loving you? Going to be saved by His life because He's reconciled you. He's justified you, and you'll be saved by Him. So He says now to us, love one another as I've loved you. But my brother has walked disorderly. And you know Scripture says, don't have any company with him that he might be ashamed. That's what Scripture does say. If a brother's walking disorderly, don't have any company with him so that he'll be ashamed for the way he's walking. And there may be a time when that's needful. But you know, I know there's going to be some that's going to take that Scripture and they'll run to those kinds of Scriptures when, when a brother falls or what have you. And they'll justify themselves. And, they'll be, and the Lord said, and they'll think they're doing God's service. But you know that same passage right after that also says, in 2 Thessalonians 3.15, it also says, 
Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. That's how Christ loves you. That's how he loves me. He doesn't let us walk disorderly. He rebukes us in our heart and chastens us and if and 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 sometimes chastens us very strongly. And it's painful. And it's meant to be. But if that's going on with your brother and he's been brought to be ashamed and he's mourning his sin and he's 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 ashamed by by the grace of God Speak the gospel to him. Remind him of these great things Christ has done for us and restore him. You know what that is? That's loving him as Christ has loved you. Isn't that what Christ keeps doing to you? Don't he keep restoring you? Don't he keep making you to know that he's loved you with an everlasting love? Don't he keep making you know that he's paid all the debts you owe and he's loaded you down with his unsearchable riches and he's blotted out all the handwriting of ordinances against you and he's taken it out of the way and nailed it to his cross and now when you open God's book, God says, I don't find any sin, past, present, or future. They've all been blotted out by the blood of Christ and he takes that message and he applies it into your heart and the Spirit of God makes the love of Christ just overflow in your heart and you know bless God I'm His in spite, despite me I'm His He loves me He says if you love me love your brethren that way remind them of the same thing what did He do for you when you were cast out and no I pitied you you know, that's what's going to happen. That's what, people that take a scripture like that and they, they encourage their brethren, just leave your brother alone. And so he's cast out. No eye pities him. How did the Lord love you when you were cast out and polluted and no eye pitied you? The Lord said, I passed by you and I saw you polluted in your blood. And I said to you, live. Yea, I said unto you, live. And when I passed by you and looked upon you, behold, thy time was the time of love. And you know what he did? I spread my skirt over you and I covered your nakedness. I didn't expose it. I didn't hold it up to make a public example of you. I didn't make you climb up in front of everybody and confess everything that you'd ever done. I put my skirt over you and I covered your nakedness. And you became mine. I entered covenant with you and you became mine and I thoroughly washed you with water. That's what he's saying. Love one another as I've loved you. And I'll tell you this, if you've ever been loved by Christ like that and you've been the one cast out and that none I pitied and you have Christ do that for you, you'll love that way. And a man that's never experienced it can't make himself do it. Can't make himself do it. The Pharisee says, stand over there, don't come near me, I'm holier than you are. And God said, and that man stinks in my nose like a trash dump. 
God's in the business of saving sinners. Have you sinned since Christ drew you to Him? And how did He draw you at first? And how's He continued to draw you? We just read it. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I've drawn you. Not once and done. I have drawn you. I keep drawing you. I keep drawing you to myself in love. Those you love, brethren, don't you just keep drawing them to yourself. Them little babies right there, you just keep drawing them to yourself, don't you? And when they do something you tell them not to, do they stop being your children? You just keep drawing them to you. That's what you do when you love somebody. How is it that we're more than conquerors, though we're weak and defenseless sheep, counted for the slaughter, through Him that loved us? That's the love of Christ. And this love constrains us. Now listen, this love constrains us. When we're offended by brethren, what's make you lay down your will, lay down your rights, and continue loving your brother? The love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge. This is our discernment He's given us. If He died for all His people, then all His people are dead. That means he put away your old dead body of sin when he died on the cross. He's dead. He's dead. And so those that live now should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. And so because this is the case, now listen to this, henceforth we don't know any man after the flesh. Let me tell you what that means. When your brother sins and he's being unloving, if you don't know him after the flesh anymore, this is your heart. That's not my brother. That's that old man of sin that's in him. That's not my brother. And that old man died way back there on the cross with Christ. My brother is in there somewhere. <laughs> He's the new man, born of his spirit. I need to speak this bread of life that's going to strengthen that new man and put down that old man. And restore him. If you saw somebody starving to death on the side of the road and they're just about to die, wouldn't you give them some bread to help them? When you see your brother sin and you see his old man of flesh, he's starving. The best thing you can do for him is give him Christ the bread. Give him the gospel. Give him the gospel. That's what's going to strengthen his inner man. That's, what's going, that's what the Spirit's going to bless to put down that old man of flesh and renew him inwardly. And Paul said, even though we knew Christ after the flesh, we don't know him that way anymore either. Think about it. We circumcise. We, don't, we worship God in the Spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we don't have any confidence in the flesh. Men will say, well, if I could have just seen Christ in the flesh, I'd believed on him. No, you wouldn't have a lot of people saw him in the flesh and didn't believe on him. Nobody ever believed on him because they saw him in the flesh. We believe on him because we're born of the Spirit of God and, and, we, and we believe and worship him in spirit. We come here in these bodies, but you didn't, if you come in here in this body, that don't mean you worshiped him. Only God makes you worship, and he makes you worship in the heart, in spirit. And we rejoice in Christ only, and we don't have any confidence in this flesh. I don't think any more of you because you came here tonight 
I'm glad you're here, and, I'm, and I encourage you, don't miss coming to hear this gospel preached, but just because you came in here don't mean anything. You got to be worshiping the Lord, and that's only by the Spirit. He's the only one that can do that. So if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. That's what Paul said. All these old things are passed away. All things are become new. That old legal way of dealing with people, that's gone. That old legal way of judging after the flesh and, and oh, he can't be a child of God because he did that, that's passed away. And that old way of using the law to whip and force and try to make somebody do what you want them to do, that's gone when the Spirit of God bursts you again and you find out the power of God and His gospel. Now you use the one weapon we got. That's the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. And you know this, all these things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. And He's given us this ministry of what? Reconciliation. So, let me end by putting it all together. Our Lord's pleased to save through the preaching of the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. Not just one time, not just in the beginning. From the beginning to the end, this is how He's going to save. Through this Word. Through this word. This gospel is the words of eternal life. It's not just your pastor who has the ability to preach this gospel. You do too. He's preaching this to you so that this is what we speak to one another to feed one another and restore one another and, and encourage one another. It's Christ. We talk about what God has done for us in Christ. This is the strength. This is the bread. This is what He's going to bless. Now, he fitly framed you all together right here. Christ did this. He did this. And He fitly framed you together as believing sinners. Now get that. That's a good term. Believing sinners. Because that's what you are. we got an old man and a new man. You're believing sinners. You are sinners who are being saved by the grace of God. That's what you are. And as long as we're in this body, we ain't getting past that. We're sinners being saved by the grace of God. Now, you've been thinking of yourself as the one doing the loving. That's what I wanted you to do from the beginning. I want you to think about how he's telling you to love your brethren. You've been thinking of it that way. Now, let's say you're the one who has sinned or said or done something that's hurtful to your brethren. Let's say you've been murmuring against God with all our pretty complaints that we have about why our day's gone bad and blah, 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 blah. And all that is is murmuring against God. That's just saying, I don't like the providence God's put in my lap. That's all that is. That you're no different than cussing God, really. It isn't. Murmuring. And you're the one who needs to be reconciled to Christ and reconciled to your brethren. You need to have all that put away out of your heart and you need to be turned back to Christ so you can see what really matters. Since all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Christ Jesus. Since all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself by Christ Jesus. When you're in that place, He will always provide you brethren right here who He has freshly made to experience this grace and love of God so that they can speak this message in your heart. He'll do that. 
You're going to find that's going to be the case. And, and he'll bless that to settle you in faith and settle you in love for Christ. That's what he'll do. And he's going to keep those brethren mindful that God's reconciled them to himself by Christ and given us this ministry of reconciliation. Now listen, our goal here is not to try to unreconcile somebody and separate each other. Our message is the gospel of reconciliation. That means God's made us one in Christ. How did he do that? Not imputing our trespasses to us. He didn't charge us with them. We're going to charge them to one another? He didn't charge us with them. What did he do? He made him who knew no sin, sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Christ laid down his life for us. So what are we going to do for one another? We're going to lay down our life for one another. How? Not by using our old means and methods, but by using his gospel and speaking peace to one another. And Christ will keep us knowing each other after the Spirit rather than after the flesh. He's going to keep your brethren knowing, that's not my brother. That's that old man. My brother's in there somewhere. He needs to hear the gospel. That's how he's going to be strengthened. And so they'll speak the gospel to you. And here's what's going to happen. When he makes you experience this, and he works this in your heart through the trial, and you, you see how you've sinned and how you've fallen and how your brother loved you and they spoke Christ to you and they didn't treat you any differently, though by all accounts, everybody in false religion would have done cast you out on your ear. And yet they were gracious to you and loved you. And when the Lord blesses that message to your heart, I'll tell you what it'll do with that. That's how He grows you in faith and love. Exactly. Because you see, I didn't deserve anything they just did for me. And Christ did that for me. He used his brother to do that for me. And so, in a little while, that brother that Christ used to do that for you, he'll be the one that's fallen and offended you. And you'll be the one that the Lord has given grace to at that time and strengthened in faith and love. And he'll use you to go speak this message to that brother and treat them like they treated you. And he just keeps working this and working this and working this. And thus, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom this whole body's been fitly joined together and compacted by that which that joint supplies and that joint supplies and that joint supplies and that joint supplies and that joint supplies. How do you as a joint supply anything to each other? According to Christ effectually working in each joint, in each of you, so that it makes an increase of this body edifying itself in love. That's how God works in love. And when Christ is saying to you, now you love one another as I've loved you, if you're His, you're going to do just what I just said because He's going to make you do it. And he's, that's how He's going to grow you. So, so next time you have opportunity, you see somebody that's fallen, one of your brethren, or complaining or acting ugly or whatever, remember, 
they're offending you, Christ hadn't taught you how they ought to be loving you, what you ought to be doing to them. Don't stop loving them. He loves you everlastingly. Love them by pointing them to Christ. And you do this laying down your life. Well, I'm a bit offended. So what? You offended God today. Love them. Teach them. Speak this gospel to them. He's going to keep growing you that way. He will. Amen.